0: um uh welcome to spice bags i said i wouldn't sing but i'm gonna <laughs> because if i don't i'm gonna fall asleep how um how is
1: everyone today very good um slept um 11 hours i hate you <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs>
0: um we uh, we need to explain why in this episode we hear we, we're missing the lovely sweet basso profundo voice of May Chin because we use this remote recording um, program and for some reason there's some skanky ass cookies on May's computer and she couldn't get in. <laughs> it doesn't like me. It doesn't like her. Yeah, I, I pine. I pine for the podcast studios where we used to record, I, oh, and truly not yeah. just because May could get in just using a door handle, but because um, the the, like Manuela is Spinelli who we talked to today is someone I want to be in a room with you know definitely
1: yeah, yeah. she's such a charismatic um, person yeah she's
0: just and like she, it's a great interview and everything and she's such a good sport for, for putting up with the remote interview but Yeah. She's just got like a real warmth and a real intelligence. And I, I feel like we owe her, we should come back around when we get, when we get back into the studios and get her in front of a a microphone. And, um, it'd be great to talk to her again. Um, let me, really quickly, will you just explain to us? So Manuel Espinelli is the, uh, Secretary General of Euro Talks Ireland. And uh, like, that doesn't mean anything, I think, to people outside of the, the Irish food world, probably. So can you explain what that is?
2: It's basically chefs and producers. It's, I think it's aligned with slow food. Um, it's about sort of preserving Irish culinary heritage. Probably the most public thing they do is every year is the Young Chefs competition, uh, where they basically put chefs that are under 25, I believe, um, through their paces, and it's super stressful, and it ends in this gala, and that's what gets in the press. Oh,
0: amazing. My daughter just made me a very impressive Play-Doh ice cream sundae, which I should maybe I should Ooh. um The she So Manuela does that, and she also um, is this interpreter. And, like, she – um, famously interpreted for Giovanni Trapattoni, who, uh, who was this guy who is a totally interesting story, which you can look up. We don't get into it in depth because it's like a, it's a long story, but he was kind of airlifted into Ireland from Italy to try to rescue the Irish soccer team. So he had no contact with Ireland as a culture and she was his guide and, and interpret kind of cultural interpreter. And at first I talking to her, I kind of thought, well, these are two totally different tracks, but actually the more I thought about it since I realized that both of her jobs are, um, because she's not working for uh, for Euro Talks as any kind of advocate for Italian culture. In fact, she's here representing Irish culture. And so really both of her jobs are to be a kind of cultural interpreter.
2: She's basically, I mean, if you think about everyone thinks of like food and sport as ambassador, like ambassador kind of things, right? Like, it's like, if you want to understand a culture, you got to eat or you got to play the sport. And she basically has done both.
0: Oh yeah. I never thought about that, but that's so true. If you want to understand a culture, go to a, like go to, I mean, yeah, yeah, go to a football
2: match or or eat a meal.
0: Yeah. Or go to a bullfight in Spain, which I definitely haven't done. Wink, wink. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So, but there's one really quick thing or two really quick things I wanted to just pull out of this episode to come back around to it for another time. Um, And one of them was she talks about how Italian food in Ireland may have been um, trying to cater to actually American tourists that, and it's a really quick point she makes in passing. And I, but I just thought, you know, I've been saying for some time, not just because I'm American, but, um, because the American tourist dollar was here so early and it's been so big. And I, I wonder how that's been, um, a force, you know, for changing the way that certain kinds of cuisines are represented here. You know, it's interesting to me that the Italian that they may have gotten at a certain point was a kind of Italian American, you know? Um, and then the second was that we talked, obviously with, when you talk about Italian food, you got to talk about, general versus regional cuisines. Um, and you know, how we value and seek out and highlight the regional now. Um, but you know, I think a question we've got to come back to in the future is, you know, why, why aren't bastardized cuisines kind of considered a a regionality or don't,
2: you know, um, I think, I think the thing that I really wanted to hear you guys talk more about, and you did bring up the Italian American versus Italian Irish, um, the thing that I wanted to hear you guys talk a bit more about is because I understand Italian American as its own thing, exactly because 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 you have generations of Italians who evolved. They like were growing their own tomatoes. They had their figs. They also came to America, For sure. where it you had loads terroir. of meat. It has its own terroir, and whether or not Irish Italian has its own terroir, or whether it's mimicking sort of the other, you know.
0: Italian diasporas around the world. Yeah, bang, bang, boom! You nailed it. That's exactly that's exactly the question that I think I was groping towards. And we'll def- we're going to have Manuela back, and we'll talk more about it. But um, but it's still fun to kind of like feel our way through these questions because you know what, like bastard cuisines, bastards are bastards are people too. They just don't have a title, <laughs> you know.
1: I love bastardized cuisines. I think that that reflection of a country in a in a different country is very interesting and you see maybe a Spanish restaurant in China or an Italian restaurant in the south of Spain or a Swiss restaurant and it's it's very original and I do value that originality. I think we need to come back and do an episode just on Italian food in Ireland and talk to different people and you know look at newspaper articles from many many years ago because it's 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 a it's interesting the restaurants that you can find that are not regional and highbrow
0: yeah well you know it's it's like talking to manuela and and realizing that you know a couple a couple decades ago in in pretty recent memory you couldn't buy pasta at tesco i mean that's crazy you know it's it's just and i i really wrongly assumed that italian food had just been here since like Newgrange, you know, it's time yeah. immemorial. Um, anyway, so let's, uh, cut to the chase. I'm so sorry that you weren't part of the interview, May, but I'm glad to have oh. you talk afterwards. Thank you. And, um, when this is all over, we're going to all get in a big room, open a bunch of red wine, um, and have, a, have a live conversation with, uh, Manuela. So, uh, and have a lot of spaghetti and have loads of spaghetti. Um, cool. Enjoy. Oh, wait. And find us on Twitter, uh, uh, Instagram, Gmail, Spice Bags Pod. We'd love to hear from you. Bye. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Um, so our this podcast is we like to look at Ireland's relationship to the world through food, right. So, so, um, and a lot of times, uh, I mean, we've only been around for a couple of episodes, but I think something that we've noticed in talking to people from different places and also in just preparing upcoming episodes and things is that there's often a kind of sense of protectionism in Ireland, right. That Ireland, um, promotes, um, Irish things and Irish people. And that's great. It's a small country and it, it needs to do that. Um, and but sometimes uh, other cultures can get pushed to the margins yeah. or they have to fight fight to be heard. But I was thinking in the case of Italy, it must be really different because Italy is such a dominant yeah. culinary, you know di- and cultural di- diaspora, right yeah. every every country has Italian hyphen, whatever it is, cuisine yeah. you know Italian American cuisine, Italian, French, Italian, everywhere you go. yeah, and so actually you're you're strangely coming from a place that is doesn't have to fight to be heard, but maybe I'm wrong about that. So I don't know. That's what I wanted to ask you coming to Ireland. Maybe you can give us a sense of how, what it, what it's been like, yeah. um, watching Italian food evolve here, but also maybe, um, how, you know, figuring out how to, you know, whether it gets seen in the right way, whether it has to fight to be seen, whether it has to fight for, to be authentic, to be authentic. Um, I
3: don't know. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear some stories about your experience with Italian food over the years and how yeah. it's changed. Here. And it's interesting how you say it doesn't have to shout to be heard. For me, it's rather the opposite because I feel that Italian uh, food culture has been bastardized so much all over the world that um, I, I, sometimes, I... Sometimes in a great way. Sometimes in a great way. And sometimes, um, you know, I always have this argument um, with people um about what is true Italian, what is authentic Italian and what isn't and Which you know, is so boring at the end of the day. You know, is yeah, it absolutely. I have to constantly having to define that? And and look it, I have made bolognese with peppers. Is it a bolognese? No. But what I'm saying yeah. is for me You probably shouldn't be like hung in the stocks in the center of, you know, Bologna and have stuff thrown No, at your but head. It, it, all I'm saying is that I I just think that the true Ita- Italian food is regional. Primarily, there is no such thing as a concept of Italian food. So I think the problem is when we go abroad, when Italian food travels abroad, people try to put it into one big box, one big category of Italian food, which actually uh, I'm I'm a, a firm believer doesn't really, doesn't really exist, you know, it is regional food. So um, when we say uh, it doesn't have to shout to be heard, I think it does because being such um, a simple food culture, because Italian food is based on two, three key ingredients. It's really, really, really simple. We really go to the root of the ingredient and the quality of the ingredients. But because it's so simple, it is of course more easily adaptable, and that makes it one of the most popular cuisines all over the world. It and it gets lost in translation. And literally. one of those that gets lost in translation, exactly, because it, it relies on kind of regional nuance. The way absolutely. A is. So for me, when I came to Ireland, um, well, first of all, thirty years ago, I would travel with pasta bags in my. Suitcase and uh, back back in the days, the great thing about back in the days wasn't just that you could smoke on Air Lingus flights, but the, <laughs> you know, for smokers, but, yeah, but that you could carry bottles on board. So it was literally a flight over. Yeah, that flight, it was Milan, Brussels, Brussels, Dublin. It would stop in Brussels for um, like a refueling. And it was literally like the emigrants train going from Germany to Italy and vice versa. So we all had little um, racks of. Uh, bottles on board. And, you know, I came. Sorry, sorry. when is this? So this was, um, 93. I started traveling in 93. First time I came to Ireland was 89. But when I first went into college, it was 1993. Okay. So
0: you're talking about going back and forth between Italy yeah, and Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So what for... brand of cigarettes did you smoke? Um, I just need, I just need this picture to be complete for me.
3: <laughs> camel lights. Yes, girl. You got your camera I, I went from doing sports five hours a day to camel lights. Classy bird. Yes, the yeah. only way. Yeah, classy bird. I either do it or don't do it. You know, I throw myself in the deep Please, end. I used to get, I used to get out of the swimming pool and I'm uh, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. But, that's uh, why Julia's
1: voice is so beautiful.
3: I yes, know. That's I, beautiful. I know that. That's why I sound like a man half the time. <laughs> yeah, there's, what's sexier? When, um, sorry, blank well,
1: like, Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Just when you talk about this regionalization of Italy, I think, you know, that happens, you know, to a lot of countries like yeah, Spain. You absolutely. Know, like Spain or, or France. But I do think there's a very interesting element that happens that when immigrants from Italy or Spain go overseas, they open these restaurants that wouldn't exist in Spain or yeah. Italy. And you might go to a restaurant and they might be serving, I don't know, food from the Canary Islands, something from the Basque Country. And because I grew up in Latin America, I found that really interesting because I would go back to Andalucia, yeah. and I wouldn't see that regionality and all these people would get together and do restaurants that mix cuisines and then they would also add like indigenous ingredients wait so blanco sorry i I don't know to be clear
0: you're saying that that people would export regional cuisine or that they the kind of or that when they're home in their home territory they don't do regional cuisines in their restaurants
1: except when they go overseas so if you Go to, I don't know, Costa Rica or Peru as an Italian immigrant or a Spanish immigrant. When you open a restaurant, you try to cater to a lot of regions of your country. Yes. So oh,
0: I see, I you see. So you mix. you give up your own regionality. You try to yeah. you try to have a kind of generalized version of your cuisine. Yeah, you and hard. that's
3: and that's exactly what what I'm saying. So, you know, the idea of and also you try to adapt to local taste. And it's as simple as that. Ultimately yeah. if you open a restaurant you want to make money, you want to I mean, of course, uh, we, we we you know there are people who open the restaurant for the pure joy of opening the restaurants, but not all all of us can be philanthropists and so I, I you know if you open a restaurant it's to make money and to make money you sell what people like and try. No, I've only ever worked in a restaurant
0: as a waitress uh. so I'm not an expert here but I do find it interesting that what you're describing is is a mentality that's not always proven to be um, accurate in that like for example when we were talking Mm -hmm. with with to go back to that interview um the uh, chinese uh restaurateurs were often afraid to offer regional and things because they were afraid that the consumer wouldn't want it but now if you go and do that you're a hit right and it actually if you think about opening an italian restaurant today you wouldn't do a a bland red sauce joint you'd be like ah here's what they're doing here's my Poulian wine bar right absolutely so i wonder whether that's a has there been a Is there a turning point at which the Italian, or sorry, at which the Irish consumer got, you know, uh, interested or had traveled enough or whatever, or yeah. has it always been this way? And it's been, um, it's been the fault
3: of the restaurateur to not have the kind of courage to, to put it out there. Completely agree. I I completely agree. It was the same type of, um, mechanism within Italian, um, cuisine. So, you know, back in the days, obviously the, the, the Italian, um, culture as a big, connection with fish and chips, which, you know, incidentally, we don't even have in Italy. So it was a, an adaptation to other countries. Um, um, that's something, by the way, brackets that we absolutely need to talk about. Yeah. I don't
0: have any yeah. idea what that is like, but apparently in Ireland, fish and chip shops were run by Italians.
3: Yeah, correct. Uh, they, uh, well, my understanding is that uh, they... All came from the same area in uh, just outside of Rome, um, in from in a region called Ciociaria. and uh, fundamentally, you know, they came from regions in Italy that that um, had less um, opportunities, and so they all emigrated partly in, to Germany, part, Belgium, and eventually Ireland. So the. Um, original or the first Irish Italian communities were all based on people coming from the same region. And when they came to Ireland, you know, the tradition in Italy would have been ice cream, but um, Ireland was too cold. Nobody was (laughs) eating ice cream. (laughs) That's true. So they had to come up with something that was ready and available. And, you know, the connection with the fish and potatoes. Uh, so that's how my understanding is that that's how so they just took their skill at like fritura or whatever uh, yeah, and and adapted to what was available here um, and that's and that's exactly and to the weather yeah and to the weather and that's exactly my whole point so if you gave an Irish I remember like when I was in college I used to cycle down to doki you know there's a little port in doki and the boats used to come in And uh, they literally used to throw squid, octopus on the floor, on the ground. They were throwing them out. They were literally throwing them out. The only thing that Irish people ate was cod um, and salmon and uh, religiously without a head. If you served a fish with a head, it was just like... No way or they didn't no want else. to know about it, yeah so know. how want to look it in the eye,, <laughs> yeah. so how can you you know even attempt to do regional cuisine when um people are not going to even mm, but they're uh, not even their own domestic seafood no, they're not even I think there wasn't a the curiosity, I think the Irish palate has evolved tremendously in the past thirty years, and uh um, you know, without sounding, you know, without putting anybody down. But I think th- it's become much more international. It's become It's like a lot more, of places. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it's really. And I would imagine also, Manuela, Italy has become much more international yeah. in the same way that Spain, like Spain Absolutely. 30 years ago you know, so many restaurants were just for tourists, like a Japanese Absolutely. restaurant or a Chinese Absolutely. restaurant. Yeah. Absolutely. And now Spain, Madrid is very, very international. Barcelona is very international. Yeah. So,
0: and- so what was the, what was the Italian food when you, when you were coming you know, 30 years ago? And, um, you know, is there a particular meal that you remember or a restaurant that you remember where you were kind of saying, I don't see my culture represented here or I do. Um, and then,
3: you know, how, how different is it now? So I, uh, I never really, um, I was never really part of the Italian community as such because um, I I came and I immediately um, I was thrown into an Irish a fundamentally Irish environment because I was in college I was the only well there were three foreigners in the whole English department back in the day so you can just imagine you know it was um and I worked in college and all of that so I wasn't big in the Italian community but um for me if I think of um where is home for me home is a little restaurant down in Doki um and it's called is it still there yeah yeah it's still there it's called Ragazzi and uh oh i love that restaurant yeah it's really simple it's really simple really basic um the owner is one of my close friends and you know for me if i wanted a meal i would go to fabio's um but it was like going home i didn't even eat what was on the menu you know i sat down and he was like sitting in his lounge and um and he would cook me food as if I was at home with the, the, all the other guests looking at me like, hey, why is she getting What would he you know, make you that it, wasn't, that it wasn't on the menu? Well, so he's from... That's an example of a dish. Yeah, so he's from Rome. So, well, outside of Rome. So there they have a, a... I love matriciana um, the way he makes it and he didn't have it in the menu at the time or he would make me Pasta with bongole, which back in the days, not many people. Mm, ate,
0: but, uh, wait, sorry, a matriciana uh, is like a red sauce with um, a, with meat in it?
3: Yes, uh, correct. Uh, and with, so uh, why? that With guanciale, with guanciale, right. Yeah. With the, so the pork um, cheek. Gowl, uh, right. And this, but that wasn't on the menu? Not at the time, not, in, not at the beginning, um, it wasn't. Um, but it was it like an unintimidating dish. Yeah, but... it was an unintimidating dish, but uh, longer to prepare. I see. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I but but also like different stuff like pasta with fish. Um, mm. You know, now everybody has a big, beautiful pasta with uh, prawns or clams or mm. cockles or mussels. But back in the days, they absolutely wouldn't. Uh, or carpaccio, nobody ate raw meat. Yeah. Days, um, you know, minestrone, it was, it wasn't something that people, look it, I brought pasta in my handbag. So even pasta was dif- difficult to access. Really? Um, it was available in, I remember I used to, as a student, I lived in Ross Mainz and I used to shop <laughs> in Tesco and Tesco didn't have pasta.
0: Really? And so yeah. was there an Italian purveyor or one or two places that you knew you could go? or do
3: you... uh, No, I brought it from home. Amazing. And, uh, yeah. And only later, um, we, they started, you know, opening little shops like, um, the one in Ranela. It's called Little Italy in Ranella or, you know, now Italian produce is accessible pretty much everywhere. Oh, yeah. Um, it's interesting when I asked
0: you, at the, you know, when I in this interview earlier whether Italian food had to kind of scream to be heard, or whether it's it was already a dominant voice. I was completely wrong. Like actually, it wasn't a dominant no. cultural, you know, culinary voice in Ireland thirty years ago.
3: I don't so, think. So. Um, well, it was, but it was in, um, you know, yes, a lot of the um, people who open uh, first restaurants. Did but it, I think it was more an Amer- Americanized idea of Italian food. So fettuccine alfredo, um, oh, that's what uh, was probably happening. Meatballs, mm-hmm. all these things that mm-hmm. um, are yeah, they're not necessarily Ital- dishes that you would eat in Italy in the same um, in the same form. You know? Can, can I ask you a kind of a weird question, which
0: is that? Um, like in, in my, in my case, uh, I'm from, I'm from New Haven, Connecticut, which has a lot of Italian Americans and the kind of Italian food you used to find there when I was a kid. Was really unsoph- like unsophisticated in, in, in that I think that they were doing the same thing. The restaurants there were just like red sauce joints, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and like my favorite restaurant was this place called Danny's, where they would just serve you like a, a family size bowl of like sloppy spaghetti meatballs, and there was this like this yeah. really vinegary like oh, salad bar salad bar that you could hit before. You're hurting <laughs> me, <laughs> but, <laughs> Manuela, Manuela, it was so good. <laughs> It was so good, like, like yeah. you know, was away. We, <laughs> you know It was like the best, and it was so unpretentious, and it was like yeah. the best. And whenever we went to Danny's, like yeah. I just maybe it was because I was so full that like my dopamine was like overflowing because you just <laughs> eat, like eat, like, eat till you ha- basically fell asleep in your plate. But, <laughs> but and now of course you know you go to New Haven and there's a Mario Batali restaurant or there was yeah 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 but, like you know there's super and it's all regional and super fancy and everything's really nice and everyone's really educated about it. And I miss Danny's like. I miss, I miss, I don't know what it is about it. Not just that it was so comforting and homey, but like there's something about, um, the homogeneity of like everyone doing everything so excellently and researching everything. Um, I know this is almost a kind of a weird counterintuitive thing, but like you can now go anywhere in the world and have like a first class Italian meal, you know, and you can go taste wines from all over and all this stuff. But I kind of miss this thing that was specifically kind of crap, but, uh, just a very new haven thing which was this like a At- mediocre italian american food
3: yeah it's funny you say that actually. and i was
0: wondering whether you kind of miss what it was in ireland you know like what w- whether what you were having in ireland back in the day you know these early movies that like rega- or movies these early dinners like ragazzi's
3: yeah, you know, whether yeah. You miss i um are you mm, i'm just thinking of somebody mediocre um uh. <laughs> <laughs> But
1: isn't it more like I would say it's not mediocre? No, I know what you mean. More like an infantilized version. I know, I know, I know, I know exactly what you mean. Like making like Italian food is easy to make for children in a way that Chinese or Spanish are not.
3: Isn't yeah?
1: I think people grab Italian food and they make it like. They infantilize it. They make yeah. it really accessible, really easy. A ton of cheese, ton of tomato, huge meatballs, you know, and then they present it as Italian
3: yeah, food. Yeah, absolutely. But that's exactly what I said at the beginning because it's so simple. It can be easily adop- adapted to anything else. And, you know, it, think about how even pasta dishes have evolved, uh, you know, like a little bit like you were saying, Julia, in the sense that, you know, back in the days, unless you gave somebody uh, a big, creamy pasta sauce, you know, if you went to places like Nico's on Dame Street or Dapino uh, on Parliament Street or um, not so much the Unicorn, because I think the Unicorn was already a new generation, but um, places like uh, the old Manifesto in Rasmines, you know the really old Italian restaurants. You would get a big plate of pasta, a big rich sauce, often with cream. Because Irish people, I think in in our like in our Irish collective imagination, Italian food is about big sauces, whereas uh, you know I like one of my favorite pastas is literally pasta with olive oil and Parmesan or pasta with courgettes, literally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so
0: our food is, I'm not asking whether you miss that kind of, or, I mean, I understand that there is something I think infantilizing is the word you used, but um, about that vision of Italian food. But I guess what I'm saying is sometimes I miss a world before sophistication and before everyone started doing everything so I understand I completely understand look I I I. I, in a way that is regional there was a thing called New Haven Italian and I don't think it exists anymore you know and I wonder whether there was a thing called maybe Irish Italian and does that exist anymore or is everyone doing it too
3: well for me that was the Irish Italian and now we're starting to diverge from that Irish Italianness, I, I think now we're starting to see restaurants like take, for example, um, Grano in Stony Butter. Um, for me, that is the example of new a new wave of Italian restaurants where they really try and make what they make at home. So you know, you go into Grano, it's teeny little restaurant and the mama is there, she's making pasta um, and then they just, boom, simple pasta, really simple sauce and that's it. Um, But, and for me, I I like seeing places like this personally um, rather than, you know, adapting too much to the local you know, for me, food is education. So if you adapt whatever regional heritage to a country too much, then it all becomes a bit samey-samey because... Yeah, uh, well, that, that's what I guess needs to be av-
0: avoided. Yeah. But I mean, I think uh, you know, moving forward, also food is going to be travel. You know, um, yeah, and I wonder whether they'll, you know, well, I mean, food is going to be travel, I think through the imagination yeah. and through taste, like not through getting on an airplane, um, you know, but, but through. Like, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but, I mean, the only travel I'm doing recently is in a bottle No, wine. I agree. I, mean,
3: I completely agree. <laughs> and,
0: I mean, and I don't mean that flippantly. Like, it actually
3: is the only kind of... Or we, you know, we cook on Zoom. Um, but, I mean, like, I recently um, organized... Well, I was cooking for some friends, and, you know, it was kind of like a dinner club, and each of us had to make a dish. And, you know, people were, like, super... They came up with, like uber complicated dishes and i was like what the hell you know why are they complicating their life yeah yeah so yeah. what i did was i literally made uh, pasta al pomodoro mm. so spaghetti with tomato sauce yeah. literally that's what I showed up with, and
0: you wore you wore a little you wore
3: like a little black dress of <laughs> like you know <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You why yeah, why stress you know <laughs> like it's simple it's easy it's great yeah. just make the best tomato sauce yes. on the planet and serve it in a nice appealing way rather mm. than a blob on the plate um, y- y- you know my nana would really go mad if we made a mess of our plate when we were eating for example because you know you have to respect food so Mm. if you throw food on the plate then there's no respect for what you're eating and, and, um, and what you've been given now She obviously grew up during the war. So, you know, I feel like I lived through the war as well as a consequence growing up with her. (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, know, it it is about the respect. And so mm, for me, the same concept applies to regional traditions. For me, it's about respect for the produce, respect for the heritage and uh, love of food.
1: Manuela, I just wanted to ask you, um, in all your travels, yeah. uh, you know, not only in Ireland, but across the yeah. world, what are the biggest crimes, I guess, against Italian food that you have found that have really shocked you or depressed you or made you laugh? Because sometimes, you know, Ooh, you laugh. Um, and oh,
3: dear Lord. Um, you don't have to say the restaurant, but just... No, no, no. I'm just trying to think. Um, uh, um, poof. Um, well, I mean, for me, the, 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 in general, it's not something horrific, but what really, really, really flipping annoys me is when, uh, the pasta is gooey, overcooked and don't, people don't put salt in their water when they boil oh, the yeah. pasta. So it's this like blob of yuck that, that you're given, um, Glob, globs of yuck not a fan of globs of yuck. No, blob and yuck no uh jesus i'm trying to think um i wish you'd asked me this before but <laughs> you, you wrote an I article think. recently for the irish times about carbonara yeah. so oh god it, it was very- yes uh, the cream the cream the, but I've, I've relaxed with um, age you know i've become more tolerant so what, what I say now is put cream in in your carbonara just don't call it a carbonara because for me yeah. it's it's a crime <laughs> um, you know when you're presented with this overly sauced creamed cheesed dishes in general it's just like um, or <laughs> I hate it when they they give you frozen fish fingers, uh, put tomato on the top and say, Oh, this is Italian. Um, <laughs> but you know, look, there's a lot of crap, but to be honest with you, even in my international travels, I uh, religiously avoid it. Although one of my best, uh, and favorite Italian meals was recently in Japan, believe it or not. I do believe oh, really? it. Yeah. So amazing. I went to, um, Luca Fantin at the Bulgari in Tokyo. And um, I have known Luca for a while and I know his agent. Anyway, long story. Um, we, we went to rugby matches together and, and then I ended up in his restaurant. And, oh, my Lord, it was, honest to God, one of the best meals I've, I've had, um, if not the best meal I've had um, outside of Italy. Was
1: it regional food or was it, yeah, what type of food it was,
3: was it? Yeah, it was. So Luca does uh, something that, I guess it's quite trendy at the moment because it is um, regional, Italian regional food, but cooked with um, local ingredients. So he does... This
0: seems, seems crazy because what evolves as a local cuisine is because of local ingredients.
3: Yeah, and absolutely. Absolutely, but if you think Did about it... Do you remember it, a particular dish you had? The main dish that I that stuck to my head and it was just amazing was um, spaghetti uh, or, you know, th- thick spaghetti with sea urchin. Ooh. Mm. And my lord, that sea urchin was just like something else. And then he had this ravioli... Um, They literally like popped in your mouth, you know, three little ravioli. But the main thing was the research. He had a a risotto with um, truffle, fresh truffle that he grated um, at the table. He had beautiful Italian bread with a beautiful olive oil that you could dip into the bread. Uh, You know, it was just like the attention for detail but in in trying to recreate so your your memory your mouth eats an italian flavor mm. and and your memory goes back to an italian flavor but it's uh the sea urchin is the freshest sea urchin available in japan yeah
0: so we promised that we would get back to this and we absolutely have to really quickly i'm literally changing a diaper as we talk the <laughs> <laughs> Is happening, um, but we—you were the interpreter for Giovanni Trapattoni for six years. Yeah, who was the, head of the, the Irish soccer team's coach? Yeah, whole, whole story of why you ended up here. Um, but so you traveled around with him and became a, a kind of phenomenon. People were really aware watching you that you and Trap had this great rapport. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it.
3: Um, and did, so, did you go around eating with them? Also, I mean, did you share meals with them? Did you? So we always and uh, mostly ate um, in camp. So you know there would either be um, a chef um, traveling with us or um, the local team of the hotel where we traveled was uh, briefed as to what to cook. So we mostly ate um, you know, um, food that was solely prepared for us. But, um, I then had, I always had a day off when I traveled. Um, so it was an amazing experience because I, I literally traveled the world and I had the opportunity to travel to countries like Armenia, like the Faroe Islands, you know, that I, And
0: so, what about like, um, when you were hanging with the trapster, did you guys, (laughs) did you did you did you guys talk about you know I, Italianness? Yeah, I brought him to Fabio's. <laughs> That's where he went. Yeah. <laughs> so we brought him to, oh yeah, in, to the place in Donkey.
3: Yeah, whenever we you know wanted to get out uh, and yeah. were allowed to, we we went down there for a couple of a couple of times, a, few, a good few times over the years. Um, but. Um, and he, because he
0: was a stranger to Ireland, he kind of showed up out of, uh, had, out of nowhere. Yeah, he
3: had no idea. So, my um, actually. So you were kind of a job, cultural interpreter yeah, as Exactly. Much as exactly. So, one of the earliest stories was the, the um, mushroom gates we called it because <laughs> we, we were away in Portugal and he could not for the love of God understand why he got the bacon bit because he had been in you know he, he lived in Germany and he lived in Austria so he got the bacon bit but he could not get the mushrooms in the of what? In, the morning. in, in an Irish like, breakfast? yeah. It's like no mushrooms you cannot eat mushrooms when you're a sports person <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that so is that
0: so foreign so to an Italian it? eating yeah. mushrooms
3: for breakfast well for us mushrooms <laughs> can potentially food poison you so if you're a sports person oh. his point was now you know well, his point at the time was why would you don't take mushrooms? any risks yeah don't take any risks so no That's mushrooms. But That's like, but were these just like plain field mushrooms Ah, uh, you know, those mashed those like white, um, the, um, the button, the, the button. The normal, yeah, normal, you, not, not sure. yeah. Yeah. The normal ones that you use. That's used very to, interesting to, because. Yeah, yeah. But sports people
0: are so superstitious. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He was just like, no way anything but. So we used to, we, my mom's from Finland and we used to go walking through the forest in Finland, um, with my whole family when I was a little kid. And my dad made up a song, which, um, you can tell Trapatoni to, uh, to learn, which is, no, we <laughs> never, never touch any mushrooms, because mushrooms don't like to be touched. <laughs> there
1: you go. <laughs> <Orita>. <laughs> I love
3: that. That's so Irish. funny, because in
1: Spain, mushrooms are just such a big part of the culture, especially in the north. Yeah, but they are, but they are
3: in Italy as well, eh? and we yeah. are, we're from the north, yeah, so we're from the north, like he comes from the same area, well, uh, and vice versa, you know, we come from the same area, so... Uh, big culture of mushrooms. Actually, it just didn't. But it's just force. a
1: sports
0: angle. Yeah, it's absolutely. a sports
1: angle. Yeah,
0: but also like a soggy ass hotel Irish breakfast mushroom. It can be a disgusting thing. Like it's just like a yeah. disgusting. We're getting better.
3: We are absolutely getting better. There are some amazing places out there. So let's let's stick to the positives. <laughs> I love
0: mushrooms in
1: breakfast. I have to say.
0: It's a really interesting experiment for you to be somebody who who who'd been in Ireland for however many twenty years at that point, yeah, and to to drop somebody who's never an an Italian person who's never spent time here, yeah. kind of in your in your care, and have you, yeah. You it know, was really
3: to... interesting. It really, really was interesting, and um, I, I like you know the, the the idea of the cultural mediator because. And did you? You must have realized, in comparison to him, how Irish you'd become. Yeah, you know, absolutely. But even when I go out for a meal with Italian. Um, friends in Italy, um they always laugh at me. You no, know, they're like, oh my God, you're so Irish. Your taste is for, really? for yeah, because for example what I aspect of your taste? I have developed um real love for spices Uh-oh. which we don't mm. you know in my region anyway, and um, there are regional cuisines in Italy which are very um use spices a lot, but in my region um we don't tend to use like chilies or you know so why did you why is that a reflection of your having become irish well uh, because i'm more exposed to different cultures over here because um, like indian food
1: julia like how we were saying how irish people have a love of indian food that you know europeans wouldn't have like the french or the spanish (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm going to send you guys a picture of what it literally looks like right now where I am because there's a baby here there's also now a three-year-old who's crawled into my lap and is holding a book and is like read
3: to me <laughs> silly. do you want, oh, me you want to, to read I in work, Italian or something
0: no but I do want to ask Vivian um, what's your favorite food
1: mm. what's your favorite food pasta yeah
2: there we go you know that? good <laughs> girl
1: pasta <laughs> um all
0: right and what are we having tonight for dinner
2: pasta mommy's yeah. crappy pizza
0: yeah close anyway um <laughs> i'm not even gonna, gonna ask <laughs> i'll send you a recipe okay <laughs> yeah just, it's just bad homemade pizza. um all right thank you so much i'm really sorry this was so um so rushed and hectic but i mean pleasure these are the times it was such a pleasure talking to you and maybe we can um have you back again and there's so many angles and dimensions to like these questions of particularly i think absolutely italian
3: italian food you know italian
0: food abroad and italian food in Ireland. i'll start
3: i'll start researching um blanca i'll start researching um crappy italian nightmares for for the next episode
0: (laughs) (laughs) and also and also um those really really excellent um idioms of italian food that you found abroad you know
3: yeah. like in japan that's really i think that's cool yeah i'll do some um, research definitely cool all right well thank, thank you too, manuela thank you for having me bye, bye thanks all right this podcast is part of the headstuff podcast network